0: You're listening to The Watling and Owen Show. Hello, and welcome to a Monday edition of The Watling and Owen Show. It's March 20th, and Aaron Rodgers is almost a New York Jet. It's Matt Watling. Almost. almost. We're, Nearly,
1: but not quite. We're
0: getting closer, and, and our, 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 he's not really doing any favors for our recording schedule, Luke. If he was on his normal Tuesday time slot, it would have made a lot more sense for us because we would have had the show after his show. Or is his appearance, I should say, but nonetheless, we've got Aaron Rodgers talk about. I think what he said completely should change the narrative on everyone's thoughts about Aaron Rodgers and kind of what's been happening, at least in the situation with the Jets. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Luke also last week, Edwin Diaz done for the year with a torn patellar tendon. Uh, That's a really tough injury for for him to get. But the Mets, you know, probably the best closer in baseball, but. You still have a chance. The season's not lost just yet. And, Luke, I even got a, a little Yankees nugget that we mentioned um, that I texted you about. But maybe we can discuss that as well a little bit further. Uh, some telling signs from Brian Hoke of MLB talking about the Yankee shortstop situation. But first, Luke, it's a Monday. You just survived the first four days of, of March Madness. How are you feeling?
1: I feel surprisingly okay. I have to be honest. Friday, I guess I could say I was in my prime, but also just I felt like a terrible human being. I ate like garbage all day. I watched all the games. It was a real bacchanal. Um, I enjoyed it. It was great, and we survived. The thing is, now it's like these these next couple of days are super weird because I'll be honest. The the Sabers, I'm completely out on. I'm done with them. Um, you know, I guess we'll we'll tune in a little bit more to the NBA now oh. with uh, with there no being no college basketball, and then I guess World Baseball Classic final. Is I believe tomorrow night. So there's a little something there, but it is weird when you watch a sport four straight days, exciting wall to wall, and it's like, oh man, I gotta wait till Thursday to do this again. I gotta be
0: honest, Luke. I I I don't. I'm no lover of college basketball, and and I put the games on while I was working this weekend. It's just too much for me. Like I I can imagine when you woke up on Saturday, you must have felt like absolute garbage. Not from the food, (laughs) but just the sheer having to sit there in the same position for twelve hours getting up you know a lot. four times like sitting there for that long and and just wa- just staring at the TV is physically painful like it is
1: i mean people people are saying i i put in more work than any of the players i mean it was look they have a 2 hour game i'm i'm 12 That's hours i mean I, I was locked in at 12:15 the last game on friday ended at 12:40 a.m. i believe i was locked in all the way through i left my house two times wants to get food, wants to, uh, wants to drive the, the old lady somewhere. So I was, I was locked in. I, I I will be honest as the years go on. Like I I always think like, is it going to be less exciting, but I always get that feeling when March madness starts. I just, I love it so much. I love the, the intensity. Like obviously other sports can be more, you know, can be better. Like you're seeing a lot of these games go under like scoring in the low sixties. They're not the best games, but just having that one-and-done feeling, I think, is what really kind of propels me. And I, I think, you know, if if this was a different sport, like, say it was the Yankees, I'm like, man, the Yankees have to play a one-game playoff. Like, that sucks. But for some reason, for college basketball, it just well, works.
0: So, well, one, are you going to do a, a series for college basketball? You're not doing that if there's 68 teams in the tournament like there is. No. And two, Luke, talk about the basketball and the, the, the level of play. Do you know what the three-point shooting percentage for the entire tournament is so far? It, it was like...
1: It was like what, like twenty three percent or something crazy. I saw. 30. I don't know. It was low.
0: Thirty. Yeah, okay. You're kind of undercutting my my number, but thirty percent is not very right. good. So for, but but it adds the excitement. The rims. Did you see all the wedgies? Yeah.
1: The rims were just. I don't know what the issue. It was like Matt Walling in fifth grade. There were so many wedgies, like wedgies all over the place. That was so disrespectful. I like. I just see you as someone that probably received a wedgie. Or I don't think in your
0: anyone in my in my elementary school gave a wedgie. Like I don't think so. Like I don't think
1: I think early two thousands were mm-hmm. when the bullies were really active. Like uh, maybe like late nineties. Like a little bit before our time was when people were getting wedgies. Now it's just like a trope. But we haven't really seen it in our. I life. don't
0: think anyone our age, growing up, like in elementary school, got bullied. Like I, I truly don't believe that. That's a
1: strong take, I don't and don't I hope think
0: that a single person in my <laughs> elementary school was being bullied. I think if you didn't like someone, you didn't talk. Well. To. Now, mi- now, maybe high school. High bullied. school. I was getting left out, so like that's kind of a form of bullying. Maybe, I don't know. I feel like in, in my and look, I could be dead wrong. I probably am. Maybe, maybe it was so dramatic and so traumatic that it's been blocked from my brain. The bullying that I saw in elementary school and middle school, but middle school, yeah, I could I could see there being bullying in elementary school. I don't think there is anything going on. I don't think we were old enough to know what, to, to to do the bullying.
1: My dog is just having an absolute time of his life in the background here What's but yeah I, I don't see it okay well as long as you can't hear it it's fine um but the yeah no i agree i, I think with that was kind of sad i wish you didn't go down that route exactly i was just kind of making a joke but yeah I, I wouldn't say no one was bullied in elementary school just because the left out thing happens elementary like you hear people being like, oh that kid's weird because they like you know what yeah you're and right that. statement so, it, statement it detracted and i just
0: wasn't associated with the weird kids in elementary school so i didn't see it
1: yeah that that probably happened to you in high school. But then you bounced back nicely. I was college, never so I weird. Really just people, didn't,
0: did, people didn't hang out with me. I was never like, oh, Crazy. don't go you're, near this guy. You
1: were nose in a book. Nose in a book kind of guy.
0: Yeah, I, I was quiet. Yeah. Sure. All right, let's get to the sports. But you really loop.
1: blossomed into a nice young man. I uh, sure
0: have. Sure have. <laughs> I got a, I got a mustache. Multiple people have commented on my mustache. Well, now it's not a mustache because I need to trim the beard again. But multiple people in the last couple of weeks commented on my mustache. That was nice. Yeah. yeah. Big fans. Um there was a I will say too like we you
1: know we spent Saturday watching games together with uh with a group of people and there was a lot of like a lot of people didn't even know like you didn't always look like this. Oh, like no. people were like, "Oh, I was hideous." You used to have a buzz cut and no beard. I was hideous. Like and I was in the same boat. I think we we had like beard progression around the same time. So credit. I think us. I got, got in
0: slightly earlier. But your your answer. beard is a lot more is thicker than mine. You have a better beard. I think I got in earlier.
1: Yeah, you got in earlier for sure. My freshman year was it was a chin strap. It was it was really rough looking back on it. All
0: right, but look how how how'd it do for you, Luke? How's it do, How's it going for you?
1: How'd it work out for me? Pretty, pretty well, good, pretty
0: well. Pretty pretty good. All right, uh, should we talk about you sports? You want to start with the Jets or do you want to go Mets? What are you feeling?
1: Let's talk Jets because I, I do want to bring up a couple of points. All right, so about the uh, Rogers Mac. So Aaron Rodgers was on
0: Pat McAfee show on Wednesday of last week, and I think just what he spoke about and what he said completely changes how I feel about him. Because, you know, since this has been going on, the entire narrative was, why is Aaron Rodgers holding this up? Why is he demanding, you know, the Jets bring in players, Alan Lazard, OBJ, Randall Cobb? But that was never really the case. And it's what it seemed like it was a wish list, obviously, which we kind of spoke about last week. But it's Green Bay that's the team that is holding this up. They're the team that's waiting, saying, hey, we want a couple of first round picks was a report that Schefter had and. When Aaron Rodgers says, hey, look, like he's they're holding up. I want to play for the Jets. I'm not gonna take his word like at full truth, but Green Bay's holding up like this isn't on Aaron Rodgers. This this waiting period since he came out of the darkness is not on Aaron Rodgers. It's it's on Green Bay trying to get the most they can for a player.
1: Yeah, and he certainly has painted himself in a good light here, too. I mean, now when Packers fans looked like, oh well, You know, the Packers are the ones that are, you know, doing Aaron dirty. It's not Aaron doing the Packers dirty. And it kind of revolves to what I was saying last week, where it's like, why did the Packers ever come out and say that, you know, they were kind of moving on from him, that Jordan Love was their guy. It it seemed to take a lot away. And now, you know, the question has really become about leverage. That's a big question. I've gone back and forth on this because, you know, I, I still think the Jets have the upper hand here because a Aaron Rodgers said he wants to be a Jet and b. uh you know, Green Bay came out and said they didn't really want him. So it's like, how can they come back and be like, oh, we want two first round picks now when the the word last week was they don't want him. So, you know, I think in that case, the Jets have leverage, but also Green Bay does have a little bit of leverage in that the Jets do need a quarterback. Like if, if Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy, they don't really have a lot of options because Lamar Jackson is going to cost you a lot more than Aaron Rodgers. You know, you could go out and get a lesser guy. So, you know, I, I'm happy for Jets fans because I think Rogers coming out and saying that is a huge step in the right direction. And at this point, you know, if he goes somewhere else, I'd be very surprised. Um, but that's really what I've been thinking about this week is, you know, who has the leverage here? You know, who's gonna budge first? Because from all accounts, it seems like this thing is still pretty far from over in terms of finding compensation.
0: I don't see how the Jets don't have the the leverage. Because What is Green Bay going to do with Rodgers? If he only wants to play for the Jets, you can't trade him anywhere else. You're not going to cut him because he's going to go against your salary cap and you're not going to keep him as your backup or start him this year. So the Jets, yeah, they need Aaron Rodgers. They would really like Aaron Rodgers, but if they went out and traded for Matt Stafford instead and he's healthy, which I guess is a big question mark, it's not sexy. It's not exciting, but it's something, right? Like there are options that they can go after. Kirk Cousins has been kind of, touted on the market. I don't know how he's leaving Minnesota without them having an option to, to replace him with, right? Maybe they go after Matt Stafford in that case or something like that. But if I'm the Packers, I don't know what I'm really getting at. And if I'm the Packers, I want to get as much help as I can for Jordan Love. And I don't think the Jets are budging on the 13th overall pick. If I'm the Jets, I'm not moving that. I'll gladly move my second round round pick, which is going to be a high pick in the, in the mid-40s. I'll move a first rounder In the draft coming up after this season, which will be what 25, 26, 27, hopefully 32nd if you're a Jets fan. So I think they can get a good value piece, but it shouldn't be the 13th overall pick. Aaron Rodgers is not worth what Stafford was. He's older. The Jets wouldn't be sending back a bad contract to the Packers. And frankly, he's probably only got one more year left in the tank, maybe two if you're lucky if you're the Jets. And I don't see how you give up the 13th overall pick. That could be a lineman. That could be. You know, what else do you want? A, a linebacker. You know, you can name a couple of different holes this team has. Aaron Rodgers isn't worth that. And frankly, no one else is giving up that type of value. So what is Green Bay holding on to? I, I just don't see it.
1: But if there was no leverage here, like say, you know, all things are equal. Aaron Rodgers is on the table. You know, maybe Vegas bids on him too. And the Packers say, okay, we want the 13th overall pick. Does that change things? Because to me, I think the thirteenth overall pick is a, is a fine trade for the Jets. Like, okay, we're not getting an offensive lineman. Okay, well, let's talk about it like this way. like the one thing holding this team back is the quarterback, and we're gonna be like, we're gonna play hardball over that. Yeah. Like, I just don't get that. So I guess no, I don't get that. So
0: if the Raiders are in the conversation and the Raiders say, hey, we'll give you a first round pick, and you know they obviously their first round pick higher than the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. So let's just say it's a, a first round pick next year or a second round pick this year, and, and some value that equates to the thirteenth overall pick. You could you could talk me into giving up the thirteenth overall pick, but there is no competition. It is just the Jets at this point. There is no other team that needs a quarterback. The Packers overplayed their hand, just like the Jets did. The only difference is the Jets aren't the ones on the hook for sixty million dollars and in an angry quarterback. That that's the difference to me. Is the Jets if they move on and they lose this this duel, it sucks. You don't get a good quarterback, but you're still gonna get a. Matt Stafford or whoever else you want, and you can move on. And and look, I understand I don't get the Matt Stafford well, let's talk about thing. This I
1: don't think Stafford's going anywhere.
0: Oh, they're they're tanking.
1: No, they're not. They traded Jalen Ramsey. That's it. T- they, they still have Aaron Donald. They still have Cooper Cup. They're not trading Matt Stafford. They're not. People are acting like Matt Stafford's on the block. They literally came out and said that he wasn't. And also, they gave up like eight first round picks for him. They're they, actually gonna they, move they don't on have on any money. They they
0: can't improve the team. They're not going to be good this year.
1: Okay, that doesn't mean I'm trading away Matt Stafford. Right. Like, I don't see the point. Well, of I can that. see that.
0: Regardless, they're not getting what they got for him. Two when the years Jets ago or what they gave up traded Brett Favre or traded for Brett Favre, they got a third round pick because he was there for one year. Aaron Rodgers, if you want to, if you want, like, let's talk about it. If he stays for a second year, I'll give you a first next year's first. If it's one year, I'm not giving you the thirteenth overall pick because that's a key piece. If you want next year's first, I'll give you that. But the 13th pick could be a very, very good player. Like, Micah Parsons was what? Like, the 10th overall pick? Right? Yeah. Like, Elijah Tucker was in the 20s. Brees Hall was an elite first-round pick. Garrett Wilson was, what, the 8th overall pick? Whatever he was. Like, that's a very valuable pick. And I don't see Joe Douglas giving that up. And I don't see the Jets needing to give it up for a guy that's going to play one season that's coming off a very meh year and the fact that Green Bay does not want him. He's not a wanted resource the demand is low for him. There's no there's value in Aaron Rodgers, but the market itself hasn't shaped up for Aaron Rodgers. It's one team that wants him and it's one team that wants to get rid of him. So I don't know how you're getting the 13th overall pick out of Joe Douglas whose best asset, his best job, the thing he does best as a GM is making trades. When he got two first for Jamal Adams and he got picks for Sam Darnold. So like what are we doing here? We're gonna, you know, give up the, the 13th overall pick. It makes no sense.
1: I mean it doesn't I'm not saying they're going to have to, but I think if it boils down to that being the barrier, I, I don't know. I, I just I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers, to be completely honest, than like, okay, we'll get a an offensive lineman, which by the way, we haven't drafted a good I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker's good, but like I don't know. It's like you're you're taking a crapshoot pick or you're getting you know, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But, but it's like, one that's year the, and that's he's the not worth it. Like,
0: and I understand. How do you what know saying? it's gonna be one year?
1: Maybe it's gonna be two what? years. If it's two years, I don't care. Like I don't really care to be but honest I, about the first round pick if he's gonna be here for I two years. I see what you're
0: saying and I understand it. But that's like me saying to you, hey, like you want a new iPhone, right? It's time. You want an iPhone. The value is worth a thousand dollars. But they're trying to upcharge you for three grand and you're gonna buy it for three grand. Like I'm not paying three grand for an iPhone, I'm not paying this much for Aaron Rodgers when he's not worth it at the end of the day. If they say, hey, listen, it's either the 13th overall pick or we're, we're going to sit him on the bench and make him retire, then that's a different conversation. But I don't see that happening because you're not putting $60 million against your cap and having Aaron Rodgers sit there in the background. And
1: Well, how long do you let it go? Though? How long do you play the game of chicken if you're the Jets? Because, let's say
0: it's past the draft. You know, well, now I can't give you the 13th overall pick. And that's and great for well, yeah, me. I'll give you the first round pick hard. next year. That's great for me.
1: I mean, that, that's fair. I don't think they're going to have to go with the first. I just feel like people acting like it's preposterous that the, the idea of them giving up a mid first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think it's that crazy.
0: I mean, it, again, if, if he promised me two years, then I can entertain it. But for one year, I just like, where does that get you after the next year? Like, where well, are you one year after Rodgers? <laughs> like, hopefully, where you are you two Super years Bowl? after
1: Rodgers? You're probably in the same place. If the Jets don't win a Super Bowl, they're right back to square one. They're probably in a really bad spot, to be honest, because then you have to find a quarterback and worry about how you're going to have to pay your rookies from this year.
0: And you just lost the 13th overall pick. That could have been a fr- valuable asset. You, tra- you could trade the player. You could keep him and then trade Elijah Barrett Tucker. You can afford to trade the next couple of first round picks you have for a quarterback. Like,
1: I mean, overall, it's not going to matter because like, you, there's no one bidding against the Jets. So the- overall, they're not going to have to give up the first round pick. So it won't matter. In the grand scheme of things, it won't matter. Right,
0: right. But I, I, it just, if, if, if it was, hey, we're going to make him retire, if you, get, if you don't get his 13th overall pick, like, I'll, I'll trade it. I just don't think you have to. And I think, like, you have to have that patience as a Jets fan where I think you have to have him in, you know, by OTAs would be nice. By training camp is definitely a must. But at that same time, like, you can't overplay, you can't overvalue one year of a guy. And this is a team that has a lot to look forward to. But also, like, what kind of worries me about a move like this is you've only got one crack at the can. And after that, you've got to land another quarterback that you like. And, you know, I don't see it being Zach Wilson. He'll be a fine backup for this season. Maybe he can learn something. But if not, where do you go after this a year after Aaron Rodgers?
1: Yeah, it's a high-risk play. It really is because, like you said, I mean – even if you're giving up a second or third round pick, you know who knows what that could have been. So that kind of conversation happened as well. But I, I don't know. I want to see him go for it. I don't really want to do another year of you know mid-quarterback, quarterback, they need a quarterback. I, let's get the quarterback. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, And I'm, and I'm sure they'll get it done at some point. Uh, let's get to the Mets, though, Luke. And not only did they lose Edwin Diaz for the season, we mentioned it at the top of the show, they also have Brandon Nimmo sideline week to week with a low-grade sprain to the knee and ankle. That was pretty much the best news they could have had. Uh, he slid in, you know, in a a weird way, in you know, in a game against the Marlins. Not great, but again, it's the best. You, it's, it's a freak injury, right? He's not hurt running. He's not, it's not a soft tissue injury. He slid in a really funky way and he'll be back, you know, two, three weeks into the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely better news than you could have gotten. Now the Yankees and Mets both probably, you know, starting the season without their starting center fielder and one of their you know, speedy guys for Brandon Nimmo, the leadoff guy for the Mets. The Yankees, maybe we're going to mix in Bader as a leadoff this year as well. So it's definitely a hindrance, but they've got they've got the horses to to replace him if they want. I know Can's played some center. They've got Tommy Pham working in there. Tim LaCastro is always a good low budget to be able to use in that spot. I mean, I'm not too worried about the Nimmo injury, but I am pretty worried about the Diaz injury. Such a, you know, lock ninth inning guy for you last year. He really had his best year. He got that new contract season. It's like, yeah, you have some guys to replace him. You have your David Robinsons. Uh, you have your uh, who? Who's the guy Lugo? that got
0: injured? They didn't. They don't have him. He's in San Diego now.
1: Brooks Christie. Chris. What's his name? Brooks Rayleigh. Uh, never mind. Yeah, there we go. Brooks Rayleigh. Brooks Christie was a different uh, Yankees prospect. Brooks Rayleigh. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Robinson's obviously closed before. Adam Ovino's closed before. But my biggest worry is this causes some stress throughout your pitching staff because now, you know, say Verlander or Scherzer has gone eight and it's like, okay, we're up one. Usually we turn it over. Like, let's push him an extra inning or let's push him from the seventh to the eighth to try to bridge the gap to Robertson, who's usually going to be your eighth inning guy or to Otto Vino, things like that. Like these things don't happen, you know, on their own. They impact everything. So not having that closer, that lockdown guy it impacts the rest of your team. And this is a starting rotation that isn't that deep. They're without Quintana until at least July, probably August. Uh, Their bullpen's already pretty thin. So that's my worry here. You know, Edwin Diaz, great player. He's going to be missed for sure. They can overcome it. But the question is, will it impact the rest of the team around? And it certainly
0: will. And and I think something that we've talked about with the Yankees or I have is the team can be incomplete because the Yankees will win the division and they can add pieces in July at the trade deadline. The Mets—they might not win the division if they don't have a complete bullpen. They probably won't, right? Like, they're—I don't—they might be the favorite to win it, but I would take the field over the Mets because there's so many talented teams in that division, and I think they can address it at the trade deadline. But it just might be too late to win the to win the division at that point. And you know, this is a guy that was lights out, the best closer in baseball last year, and I do think you're going to see a lot of stress put on this bullpen. It hurts when you lose Quintana because now you have. Who is it? Uh, Peterson starting as your fifth starter. That's the guy you would have loved to have in your bullpen to give you a couple innings. And I I think you can figure out, I think bringing in Britain, if it's a low-cost move, might be the best way to go about it. But what hurts a lot for this team specifically is you're not getting any luxury tax relief with Diaz. You know, there's no long-term IR, right? In hockey, you put a guy in LTIR, his cap hit goes away, right? You can overspend without getting penalized. In baseball, you can't do that. And what's so tough for this team is now a five million dollar contract worth ten million, and you're lose. And if you get into that next tier, you're losing a lot more, you know, draft picks and compensation and and you know things like that, which is a lot more worrisome than the, you know the extra couple million bucks you're gonna have to spend if you're Steve Cohen.
1: The good news is with relief pitchers is they are usually the easiest commodities to acquire at the deadline because you're gonna see a lot of these bad teams flip their best relievers at the deadline because. You know, for the most part, if they're on expiring deals, that's obviously one reason. Also, for the Mets, these aren't usually expensive people. I mean, this is crazy, but there is a world where Aroldis Chapman pitches really well for the Royals and the Mets pick up him at the deadline. Like, those types of arms. Remember when the Yankees flipped Andrew Miller, Aroldis Chapman, that one offseason, then they obviously got Chapman back, but or at the deadline, I should say, like that's where there's a lot of relief movement. So I think if they're bullpen struggling pretty heavily, they can address that at the deadline. I'm still more worried about the rotation than anything, but I, I- They'll. They can overcome it though. Like I don't want this to be a, a Mets fan. Like, oh yeah, of course we didn't win the division. We don't have Edwin Diaz. Like you can overcome it. It's not like Scherzer and Verlander both got hurt at the same time. It's not like Pete Alonso's out. I know he's an important player, but he's pitching one inning. A but game also
0: at max two. Let's say there's 21 run games in a season. There might be more. There might be less. He, you're probably winning 17 of those with with well, Diaz. I mean, la,
1: well, look at last year. He had 32 saves and 35 opportunities.
0: Yeah. So. so. He, Oh, uh, maybe a, a slight, you know, what's Robertson going to do in that? Is he losing you another four, five, six games? Is it four? Hopefully not. He could though. I mean, he's just, go- <laughs> I mean, last year.
1: Yeah. i since a 20, he saves two forty era. So he's about a run up from Diaz. So yeah, he's certainly not going to be the shutdown guy that when Diaz was, that is, that is for sure. And you're right. In a division like the NL East, that does matter
0: beyond that though. I think it hurts more for the playoffs. Because this is a team that wants to win a World Series, that doesn't have a big runway to win a World Series, and without Diaz for a season, like, and look, I guess there's only a handful of elite closures in baseball, right? But with him on the mound, you know, you talk about the Yankees in, in their dynasty days, like when Rivera was on, it was an eight inning game for the opposition, and it's the same thing with Diaz. You've got to try to score in those eight innings, because once you get to the ninth, Diaz is locking it down, and... When you don't have that, it takes a lot of pressure off the opposition. And, you know, I don't think it's going to change that much of the regular season, but come playoff time, you can't tell me it's not a big difference.
1: Oh, it definitely is. And I thought uh, Joel Sherman wrote a really interesting piece on the post comparing it to um, uh, Mariano Rivera getting getting hurt in 2012. He even compared the two, like with the walkout songs, like the iconic songs. You kind of know what's coming when, you know, when Mariano Rivera comes out. Obviously, it's the signature cutter. You know, Diaz, not to Mariano Rivera's level, but last year when he came out, there were only three times where he didn't end the game with, with that save. So, I mean, they, that's definitely comparable And the Yankees in 2012, had to try to replace Mariano. we're going to have to do it. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they do it. I trust the GM. I trust the ownership to want to go and make a move, but right now there's not much they can do because, you know, Zach Britton's a good option, but it's not like there's a big name, you know, relief pitcher just sitting on the market.
0: Right. For sure. And quickly on the Yankees, Luke, Brian Hoke, uh, you know, we teased at the top of the show. He really, he had this video on Twitter, you know, after the game over the weekend. He's like, "Hey, like, we don't know who the starting shortstop for the Yankees it's going to be," but he only mentions Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza. So it's it sounds like Icaf is out of the running already, which is an interesting move because you don't usually expect that from the Yankees. They they like to rely on the veterans. They like to use those pieces, but it seems like it's going to be one of the young kids at this point, you know, diving into the regular season starting at shortstop.
1: Yeah, and then the question is going to be, what do you do with IKF? You know, is it going to be, like, a DFA It would seem like, I know he's not making a ton of money, but that seems like a a haircut. They probably don't want to take this early. So he's a good utility guy to have around. I know you already have DJ, so you're not really going to need another super utility, but I I really think, and the one thing that you were the most right about ever was how bad the Donaldson trade was. And I know IKF's included in that, but Donaldson's really the piece that has not been great. Because IKF, you knew. It's like, okay, defense... He's a contact hitter. Well, he didn't really live up to the defense last year, but also, you know, he's been great at third, not so great at short. So if you never require Donaldson, you just get IKF, you know, maybe it's not so bad. But because you have Donaldson in his contract sitting at third where, yes, he's played well defensively, but you were expecting, you know, possibly a 30 home run season run and you didn't get that. So that's the big issue here is with Donaldson on the team. There's not really a good spot for IKF. Not that that's a big problem. Like, oh, they need to find a spot for him. But the way that things are working out right now, you know, that that's the biggest void right now is if
0: Donaldson's in nothing again and you had nowhere you know, nowhere else to put him, that's going to become an issue. Yeah, and I guess you rely on DJ at that point, right? And and with IKF, I, I assume he ends up going to the Dodgers, but you've kind of got to make that move quick before they start to fill that role in other places. But look, IKF yeah, and- getting paid, what, $6 million? Like, you can keep a $6 million guy on your bench. You can't keep a 20 plus million dollar guy on your bench. And you know, Donaldson's got one year left, right? If he's so bad and he's so useless come playoff time, he won't start or he might get cut. And, and that's a tough pill to swallow, but it's expiring money. And if you love the other pieces you have, he's not going to stop you from winning a championship, you know, and replacing him.
1: Right. And, and between the two kids, I think it's, it's exciting. Like, Anthony Volpe has been incredible. There's been a lot of stories written about him. He's getting new endorsements. Like he, I mean, reminiscent of Derek Jeter, like a young guy that's coming in, you know, grew up a Yankees fan, wanted to be the shortstop for the Yankees. He's from Jersey, which is a lot closer than Michigan too. I know Jeter had some Jersey ties as well, but like the story is there. And I think Volpe will eventually be the guy, you know, whoever breaks camp. I don't think either one's going to be a bad idea. we saw last year, Peraza was the one that got called up late. He looked good. He didn't play a lot of games, but he did look good when he did play. So I think if they take Peraza, I don't think it's gonna be a, a terrible idea. But I think by the end of this year, I, I'd be pretty surprised if Anthony Volpe isn't on the major league team, and that's exciting. We, the Yankees, haven't had a prospect like Anthony Volpe in quite some time. I mean, Glaber Glaber Torres is kind of in that conversation, but like Aaron Judge didn't come up till he was like 25, 26. Like to get like a young 21, 22 year old kid on the team whether it's Peraza or Volpe like that's exciting that's the kind of the juice the Astros had last year in Jeremy Pena where they have a guy come in make an impact they win the World Series like 2017 the Yankees had these young guys that were just breaking in and kind of injecting that juice it's like some of this roster is a little old it's a little stale I guess if you will like you you've seen these same guys year in and year out so to get a young guy in there and and hopefully make an impact I mean that's an exciting prospect I think that could change my opinion one of those guys can come up, be great from day one, and just be that injection into the clubhouse for an entire season. That could change my opinion on this team.
0: But I don't think they even need to be great from day one, Luke, because look at what you were going to have at that position. I cap, right? What is he? He's a low 200s hitter and then, you know, supposed to be a good defensive shortstop. He's not. Clearly, we saw it last year. If Peraza can hit or whoever can hit 245, 250 with a little more power and be a competent defense defensively for the first half of the year. The expectation is he's going to get better and better as the season progresses because, you know, Pena wasn't that guy to start the season. He was in the playoffs, but ultimately for this team, like you didn't expect much out of that position with IKF. So if he can just do that, that's considered struggling for these guys. But if they're going to be what IKF was at the start, I'll take that if you're a Yankees fan. And I do think there's an energy about it. It sounds like a lot of the guys want Volpe to be the guy, right? Aaron Judge talks about him. He seems a little more, I don't want to say charismatic, But I'm sure, you know, him being American born and, you know, English speaking first, it's probably easier for him to kind of be that exciting kind of young kid as opposed to a guy that's just trying to, you know, you know, might struggle with the English language and someone like Peraza. So for either one, I don't think you're wrong to go with them. And I think both will play a significant role this season, especially next year. But it's just a lot of excitement for a team that, like you said, Luke, like there hasn't been a young guy. And, you know, we were texting about it before the show next year when both these guys are up here. It completely transforms the team if they're both very good, because you've got guys for five, six years that are at a you know uh, an easy, controllable cost, playing to the most important positions. It'll probably be second and short or short and third. There's just it makes so much room to grow. You'll have twenty million dollars coming off the books next year with Donaldson. You know there's there's a lot of opportunity for this team to make a big, big impact. You know this year or next year if these guys can pan out.
1: Yeah, no, that's and that's exciting. Like I said, because. You know, over the offseason, I said, I like, this team didn't make a lot of moves. You know, whether that's good or bad, they did win the ALEs last year. They did go to the ALCS. But to me, it felt like they needed something like this. Like, I feel like Toronto's got a lot of talk around them, a lot of hype around them. They don't even have – like, they don't have the the ALEs championships, the playoff runs that the Yankees have had recently. But because they have those young guys, I don't know, there's just something about a team like that that's attractive. And for a team that's kind of older, a little bit more, you know – I guess buttoned up. I don't know if that's the right word, because it's not like Volpe's. It's almost like tight and, and be crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Business, so it's have tight. This, like, a There's no guy, excitement yeah.
0: out of the guys. Like young players bring excitement because it's their first time in the majors. But who's the youngest guy on this team? Like, is it is it uh Torres? Like he's been yeah, there I mean, forever and he's basically yeah. trying to get traded every second of the day. He's probably miserable. Yeah, exactly. I mean
1: it's you think about this team; it's it's Glaber and it's Judge, like, and they're not young guys. I mean, Judge is going to be third, like, yeah. That's they, not a young team. They don't really, I, besides the pitchers, I guess. You know, Luis Severino is a little bit younger. I guess Nestor's young in baseball years, and he kind of brings some of that excitement too. But yeah, it's not, it's not really a team that has a lot of young, you know, young energy to it. Right.
0: Do you want to get to the Knicks now? Yeah, let's do. Well, they've, they've got they've clinched their second five hundred or better season in the last three years, Luke, under Tom Thibodeau, yeah. which is. I mean, I texted, you, so it's not a surprise. But the previous 19 years, they only did it three times above 500, which is almost sounds like a fake stat. Like that doesn't sound real because, like, they had Carmelo for a big know, was chunk crazy. of years, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they did, and I think I'd assume those were probably the only, maybe some of the early 2000s. But yeah, it, it's surprising because you think. I, I'll be honest. Like early in the year, I was I wasn't really loving Tibbs. Like I thought the way that the season was going. Uh, I don't know. Like I still have some questions just because of the way that he pushes these guys, but it works like it works in the regular season for sure. This is their second year where they've kind of exceeded expectations and this is a good team and getting Jalen Brunson back was huge. I think, you know, it's kind of apparent when he's not there, Julius Randall can get a little bit off the rails sometimes, but also we saw some good things from RJ Barrett without him in. So there's that yin and yang, but this team's definitely going to go as far as I think Jalen Brunson's play uh, can take them in the postseason. Right. And they had a
0: big win yesterday over the Nuggets, which was just great, right? And, and most more importantly is you bring in Jalen Brunson back, who puts in 24 points. And you talk about, you know, Jalen Brunson being the guy. I think in the playoffs, you, you expect him to get his. Julius Randle will kind of be Julius Randle. If R.J. Barrett can get going, this is a team that can probably make a very deep charge into playoffs. I'm not talking winning one round. I'm saying, like, They can make the Eastern Conference Finals if R.J. Barrett can maybe not put up a lot of points, but be efficient with his shooting. It's something we haven't seen a whole lot. We saw it a lot more with the Brunson injury. But if he can be a guy that can hit those spot shots here and there and just be super reliable, that's a really, really good third option that we haven't seen from him yet.
1: And that's kind of what he was yesterday. I mean, Brunson at a 24, but he wasn't having his, you know, Brunson 35-point game. You got 20 from Randall, you got 20 from RJ, like pretty equal distribution there. And I was looking, it, it's really crazy, actually. So after that 2012-2013 season, where the next won 54 games, they didn't have another winning season until Tibbs's first year in 2020. Like, that's a crazy stretch. And they had Mello for, I think, at, yeah, the first three of those years where they had losing records before they finally... Uh, parted ways with him. So it is really phenomenal what Tibbs has done. And a lot of it I think has to do with their defense because their defense has been really good. And now they have that improvement on offense with Jalen Brunson. So it's a good team. Now it does get a little dicey though. They're only two games up on the nets, which is kind of interesting. Although did the nets play last night they might have they lost. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, they gain a little bit there, but you know, it's, you want to stay in that four or five, you don't want to drop to that six spot because right now the Celtics are the three seed, which and we talked about it. Can they match up with the Celtics? But I'd rather play the Cats. Yeah, and it's a different animal
0: in the playoffs. Like, you could you could say, oh, yeah, we like the way we played them. We like that where, you know, we beat them in the regular season. It doesn't matter because it's, it's just completely different in the postseason than it is in the regular season. And, you know, for to go back to RJ real quickly, he was 8 of 13 last night or two nights ago on Saturday when they played. Like, that's a, that's efficient. You know, 20 points is nice it's, or 21 is nice. It's not like – Mind-blowing for a third overall pick, but for him to do it on only 13 shots is, is key in, in that event.
1: And, and that's where he struggled because he hasn't been as efficient. He needs a lot of shots. He didn't take a lot last game, but he was efficient. You know, it was Brunson who kind of struggled a little bit from the floor, which can be expected when he's coming back from an injury. But, you know, it's, it's about these role players. You know, Mitchell Robinson was in the news a little bit this weekend with his whole, you know, posting, tired of just being out there for cardio. I want to play basketball. Uh, really just wasting my time and energy, like being a role player does take a mental kind of change from you because everyone growing up is the best player from where they're from. Like R.J. Barrett, best player from whatever town in Canada is from. Mitchell Robinson, same thing. Best Possibly the only whatever.
0: player in Canada. Like,
1: Yeah, like you're used to being that guy throughout your career. And then when you get to the NBA, it's like, okay, I got to like look around me. I got a lot of great players around me. You kind of have to mold yourself into that role. Like it's not easy to be, you know, like a Jamal Crawford six man. It's like okay, I have to mentally know I'm coming off the bench, and when I come off the bench, I need to perform, you know, to the highest level possible. Like it's hard for guys to to adjust to these roles. And I think R.J. He's not a diva by any means. We see the way he talks. It, it doesn't seem to bother him that he doesn't have a lot of touches. But it has to be a lot for him mentally to be like, okay, I don't need to shoot 30 times for us to win anymore. I can get mine in, you know, thirteen to fifteen shots. But he's gotta
0: do it. And to go back to Mitchell Robinson, like I understand where he's coming from. I don't think it's a huge deal. But what's tough for me is or you know, what's kinda tough is like he said those things after signing a contract that's paying him what, fifteen million dollars a year. Like he got his back. Yeah. If he was a free agent yeah. this coming off season, I'd understand it. But you've got four years now or three years after this to sit there, collect your money and hopefully the you know, that last year is when you wanna do whatever you can do. So, for him to do it now is, yeah. is a little tough. And that was coming off of, what was it? That was coming right off of the nine-game winning streak. And that's kind of a yeah, tough the spot only to thing, be
1: in. And the good news is it seems like he's, like, taking a step back. He's been like, I got a kid on the way. I've been stressed out. I didn't really mean it. But this is not the first time he's kind of been saying, like, I wish I had a bigger role. But here's the thing, Mitchell. <laughs> like, you're, you're a back-to-the-back back center. Like, you're not going to give a lot offensively. Your job is to be great defensively. And that's, like – The only minor concern I have is you need Mitchell Robinson all the way in. And I'm I'm not saying he's not all the way in, but when he says something like this, you have to worry. Because this defense goes with Mitchell Robinson. When he was hurt, they struggled. Like him being inside, being a force, being someone that teams do not want to drive against, makes, I, I think the difference between the Knicks being a good and a great team at times is Mitchell Robinson playing great defense. So they need him to be okay with, you know, quote unquote, getting cardio, making big plays defensively in order for this team to, to really hum.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and, and one last thing to just to, to sort of be able to come back and finish that road trip two and two after what was pretty much what a three game losing streak right after the nine game winning streak was like, again, just another bounce back way, another really impressive job by this team to not let it spiral out of control. Because, you know, same old Knicks kind of mantra after that winning streak, you could have seen them lose three or four straight and really spiral after losing Brunson. So for them to, you know, save a 500 road trip, which is ultimately kind of what you want. If you can be 500 on the road, that's a positive because you expect to, you know, be what, 10 games over 500 at home, something like that. It's very valuable for this team.
1: Yeah, no hundred percent. So, and this is going to be a fun stretch run. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for NBA playoffs. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. For not it. ready
0: for the NHL playoffs though. No, well, you I'm got really, Devin I'm Levy, really baby. Just, Well, yeah. he's not too good. He got dominated by a yeah. suite. People forget.
1: <laughs> yeah. People do forget.
0: It's not They're, talked about enough. People forget how bad that Carlton plays defense was. They did not help. They did not help. People my. People don't talk there. enough about how bad. Just dominant. Oswego was against Devin Levy. It's just not spoken. Derek Brown had a hat trick in that game, if I remember he correctly.
1: What? He had a hat trick in that uh, game. Derek Brown.
0: Sure. Sure did.
1: I yeah, bet. I guess my memory is just better than
0: mine. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast today, let alone let alone <laughs> that. Uh, you want to take us away with Odd Man Rush?
1: Let's do it. Let's do some Odd Man. I've got a lot of basketball, obviously, with the NCAA tournament going on. But I want to start with a little bit of football. The uh, Dallas Cowboys sent fifth and sixth round picks for uh, Texas wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Um, it was reported that this trade likely puts him out of the OBJ sweepstakes. He's got 18 million dollars guaranteed this season. The Cowboys will pay 12. Houston will pay six. And Brandon Cooks—he's really good. I mean, he's had six 1,000 yard seasons since 2015. He's kind of voiced his displeasure being on a rebuild. He wants a chance to win. I think he's been traded now four times since coming in the league, which is pretty crazy. But um, I think you know. OBJ, yes, he's the better player, but you know the the kind of headache that comes along with him, especially in a market like the Cowboys. I like this move
0: for them. Yeah, it's it's low risk. You kind of know what you're getting. You didn't give up a whole lot, and you needed a second guy next to CD Lamb, and now you slot Gallup third. That's a really good wide receiving trio. And you know, it was Cooks out for a couple games last year? Absolutely, but he it was kind of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I'm sitting out because I just don't want to be here anymore. And is that the right way to go about being on a team? Maybe not. Is that going to change when he's playing for a team with an actual quarterback in an actual, you know, front office that cares and knows what they're doing? Absolutely. Like, Tex- the Texans are a dumpster fire. They are really, really bad. The culture stinks. The, the, the coaching position is a revolving door. And they had no quarterback. So I don't think you want to kind of take too much into what he did to get out of there you know, to heart, because it's just a completely different team.
1: We've got a little bit of breaking news here. Uh, Rick Patino officially agrees to a six-year deal to become the head coach at St. John's. Wow. The Big East is back. Wow. The so, Big
0: East is back. Uh, later on in, in Odd Man, Luke, I, I left you a story about the Purdue coach leaving. And I... You mean the uh Providence coach. That's right. I, I said Providence. <laughs> uh The Providence coach, Ed Cooley. So... The
1: coach should leave.
0: Should not iona be more mad than the providence team because rick patino has said hey this is the last team i'm coaching for they gave me my chance they let me return to college basketball that i love this is the team where i'm going to retire with he said that in the past and i don't think iona fans are gonna be mad because you get it at the end of the day like he got a job that probably means a lot to him being from long island being a new york guy and I don't see how you can be mad about it in the same way. You can't be mad that Ed Cooley. <laughs> what?
1: I'm just laughing. You wrote Purdue twice in the note. Like, did you really think that it was Purdue's coach? I was leaving. Did I say Purdue twice? Oh, I did. Yeah.
0: Hey, look, it's the P it's the P they both lost. I don't care. It's college. They basketball. both got that
1: black and gold. Yeah. Type of they're college. very
0: similar. They're, it's the same. And you know what's crazy is I was reading like about Ed Cooley and he's not, he didn't go to Providence. He's not from, he's from like new England. But like, why did what does he go to Providence? I think I mean, look,
1: I get the Georgetown pedigree is the pull there, but Georgetown's been really bad and for a while. He's probably getting now.
0: a fat check to go pl- to go coach in DC, the best basketball, you know, recruiting market in 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 the world, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, no, and I get that. I'm not disagreeing with you, but like, he's a guy that I think Providence fans thought was going to be there forever. I think that's what kind of the. The thing is, um, he's from Providence. He was—he didn't go there. He was, but he was born there. Cool. Like so, I just I
0: so you're telling me if and keep in mind this isn't a great comparison because this isn't marriage. But let's say you're sitting there and you're, maybe you're dating someone, maybe your fiance's, and they're sitting there and they're having a good time. They love you very much. They say it every day. And all of a sudden a supermodel miss universe or mr universe comes over and says i'm gonna pay you more money to be my wife or be my husband you could be upset but are you gonna be really that mad what this is the worst comparison i've ever heard yeah well you're you're, it's an upgrade (laughs) this team is a a drastic upgrade
1: but this is like if your childhood sweethearts you've been together forever and then yeah the the hot new girl are Come you really? But you're not Charlie you. like, He never went no, to Providence. I, I've already got a
0: one. He never went to Providence. He was born there. You know what? I was born in New York. But I'll tell you this, Luke. If if another place is offering me more money and a better job, I'm going there.
1: I don't know, man. Like, if I'm at – like I, I am Ed Cooley. Like, technically. I mean, I grew – I'm from Syracuse. I didn't go to Syracuse. But if I was a head coach at Syracuse, I would still feel that connection. I Syracuse is, I'd like, oh, yeah, is a grew better
0: program than Providence is. Providence isn't a prestigious program. Like Georgetown's that I next think... level. Georgetown could be a blue blood. Are you winning a championship I... at Providence? No. Or are you going to win one at Georgetown? Could you win one at Georgetown? Probably not, but you could. You could absolutely win one. And they're going to give you a bunch of years just like they gave the, their other head coach who stinks, Patrick Ewing. Give him six years, he did nothing. He won like two games in the in conference these last two years. And you're going to tell yeah. me Ed Cooley can't do more than that. Get himself four or five years in D.C., recruit a good team, and go on a run. He absolutely can, and the fact that people are so mad about him leaving, it sucks. It stings for your team. I understand being upset, but to be so mad at him, I just, I don't know. Right.
1: That's that's talking, uh, Ad Cooley. I like it. I like the fire. Um, no, because
0: like people are sitting here like crying and moaning on Twitter. He's a snake. He did this. He did that. You know what? Sometimes you gotta understand as as providence as a non major school a non-major major major basketball school you're gonna lose your coach that's gonna happen
1: i think the way that the providence fans are looking at this is that they've been better than georgetown over the past five years and they play in the same conference that that, i'm just saying that's how the fans think of it i understand that georgetown's a better basketball program than providence that's but if you're a fan you're like why are you leaving us for a worse team because that That, team could be better their ceiling is way higher but the fact that he might have listed his house before the season, ended is kind of tough. But
0: also, like, are we expecting him to be the guy that's doing this? Like, he definitely hired a realtor. Like, this isn't him going on Zillow. I mean, if and you hire a sale.
1: realtor, you're accepting the fact that you are not going to be there. After yeah, but he's
0: not doing any extra effort. Like, whatever. Like, he's not sitting but that, that, there. That screams to
1: me that he's no. This is what the issue is, Matt. Here's the issue. You brought up your your whole scenario. It's like if you're sleeping, you're still married, but you're also sleeping with the new supermodel. No, you gotta. you well, is have it sleeping to, or is he going on divorce. Tinder? Now,
0: is the question? Clean divorce before you start. So you want him to leave his with... job before he gets another job? No, I, I yeah. <laughs> so you want him to say, "Oh yeah, I'm stepping down because I want the chance to go work for George." No, no, don't. Yeah, don't sell your house until
1: you, the 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 pen is on the paper. Your season's over. Like. I think he could have done better for his team. I had,
0: but also, like I just they
1: signed up to play for Ed Cooley. I, yeah, I and he, I don't he think anyone deminence. knew that he
0: sold his house until now.
1: Right, but he did. <laughs> but he just like you know what probably happened. So <laughs> why do I have to why do I have to coach against Kentucky when I'm going to be at Georgetown the next week?
0: Oh, so yeah, he, he you know what he was doing actually, Luke. He was tanking the season. He should have thrown in his his uh his his non scholarship guys, his walk on guys, so he could lose as quickly as po- possible and get out of there. That's what should have happened. That's what he should have yeah. done. I mean, he what? He hired uh, his wife hired a realtor. That's what happened. His wife sat there and said, "Oh, we're probably done, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go to Georgetown at the season up. Okay, how about my friend? You know, Janice? She's a, she's a realtor. Can we get her to, to deal with the house? Yeah, sure. Like whatever. And then Janice goes and and puts it on the market early. That's what happened. Like you think he's sitting there huh? like feeling phone calls for his house, like setting up these tours? No, he did nothing He had, No, that's he had not no what I'm saying, man. I that. don't. Like, he, his mind was not distracted. He was not distracted because he wanted to win a championship. Okay. He wanted to win games.
1: Did he, or did he want to get the bag from Georgetown? He, both. are not exclusive. <laughs> All right. Let, let's move on. I know we're going to do a whole segment on Ed Cooley just today. Just make me mad. Um, People are stupid. Another <laughs> WWC, WBC
0: injury. Job,
1: Jose Altuve, out indefinitely with a fractured thumb, suffered during a WBC game for Venezuela against the U.S., no timetable for his return, but he will miss the start of the season. So WBC just keeps keeps taking our stars. It's away. tough,
0: and, it's and real I really shame. wonder if the best way to do it would make it, you know, instead of the all star break, uh, you know, make it the all star break, right? Instead of having an all star game, have a two week break. Guys can go and play. You know, the, the hockey did it for the Olympics for a while, and you know the only difference with this is that the WBC is a is an M O B thing, so they're making money off of this, right? I, I don't see yeah. how that – that's a win-win proposition for me. Make it the all-star break. Give guys a couple days in the front end, a couple days in the back end. And if they want to truly, you know, represent their team, they're going to give up the couple-day vacation that they'd have.
1: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. But also, like, the odds of Altuve getting hit by a pitch in the thumb, I think, would be the same in the WBC and in, in spring training, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah.
0: This isn't like a
1: – None of the injuries that have happened or anything that's like – because they're going too hard in the WBC. So, um, I look, I think it's, it could be an advantage to be honest. Like, these, these guys are, are playing at a high level. Like, they're not just seeing triple A pitching. Like, that could be a little bit of like a help. Like, Pete Alonso's not seeing single A bums from the Marlins right now. He's seeing, you know, some of the better pitchers in the world on certain teams. Like, you know, the U.S., obviously, you're, you know, Adam Wainwright isn't exactly, you know, facing, facing a great, a great pitcher at this point. But I, maybe that's my spin zone. Maybe it could be an advantage that you're, you are playing real games with juice instead of just, yeah, let's play two innings and then go home and then come back and do it tomorrow. And then, Oh, opening day's here. Now I really got to turn up.
0: I think it's give or take for both ways. Cause you know, guys are going to ramp themselves up differently. You're getting ramped up for the WBC a lot quicker than you would playing in the spring training, but it's, it's fine. Like injuries are going to happen where if you go in international competition, but there's still value in these competitions.
1: Yeah, couple couple minutes left here. Uh, we'll do a little bit of NCAA tournament rundown. Uh, two number one seeds are gone. Purdue, of course, was gone in embarrassing fashion to Farley Dickinson, Fairley Dickinson, however Fairly. you want to say it. Uh, the sec Fairley, yep. I like Farley better. Uh, Fairley Dickinson, well, the second ever one seed, the second ever one seed to lose in the round of sixty four. Uh, the craziest part is, you know, Purdue's best player is Zach Eady is like seven foot nine. Um and FDU is the smallest division one basketball school. And the fact that they ran that game plan against them was truly impressive. I like UMBC's the first. They blew out Virginia. They're always gonna be remembered, you know, highly, but you could argue this win was an even bigger up. It upset. was. It
0: was the biggest point spread, 23 and a half points. I think it was. And to me, what's awesome about this story is that Coach Rafael Dickinson was like, Hey, we can beat these guys. They kind of stink. <laughs> Everyone hears it. And Purdue yeah. just does that. Like, there wasn't any anger, or frustration from them. They just kind of took it. And I think that's hilarious to me. That this team basically slapped them in the face before the game and said, we're going to beat you. And they did. And it's awesome.
1: Yeah, and Purdue is a team that sh- their biggest struggle has been all they have is Zach Evie So when he's triple-teamed down low, kicks it out, you got to hit threes. And Purdue missed a million open threes. Do you think threes. you could have been They've on got that got team a lot and like, hit the open
0: threes? Yeah,
1: I would have. I would have knocking down threes. Like, I look if they pressed me, these guys would have been great. Like, you know, I couldn't be able to bring the ball up the court. But if Zach E. was just feeding me open threes the whole game, I I could knock down a couple. I believe it.
0: I couldn't. I stink at basketball, but I know like. Well, I, who knows
1: the way that the rims were this weekend? I mean, I don't know if I got hit a, a three. Point.
0: That's a good point.
1: Weekend for for Purdue. Uh, the other one you to go down Kansas. They lost seventy two seventy one to Arkansas. Of course, without their head coach Bill Self, who. Uh, suffered a heart attack. So he was unable to coach that. That hurts. But again, we won't have a repeat champion. Haven't had one since Florida back in, I think 06, 07. It's hard to repeat in this tournament with the craziest things that happen. but Arkansas has become a bit of a giant slayer. The second year in a row, they've knocked off a one seed in the second round. So Eric Musselman, uh, has the, the Razorbacks playing basketball at the right, ra- good basketball at the right time.
0: Yeah. Good for Arkansas. Uh, not great for, uh, for Duke. Um, no, Duke,
1: your team to win it all was also yeah. knocked out. They got bu- bullied by Tennessee. Yeah. They they got bullied. It was rough. They they couldn't move the ball inside. Tennessee was just bigger than them. they were tougher. I mean, Filipowski got like elbowed in the eye like the first minute in the game. But yeah, it was it was a rough going for your for no, your team. But challenge. I've got the
0: Zags. I've got a future on the Zags. I've got I I I tailed you Creighton and uh, Miami Final Four. So hopefully that can that can happen, and uh, we'll see what we'll see. Yeah. What happens. That I, look,
1: I've got my two Final Four futures in the Sweet 16. Now the question is, what do I do? Because do they play Creighton's each other if they both win. No, oh, damn. they're on opposite
0: sides. Okay. But Creighton
1: plays Princeton now. I,
0: I honestly who, think sprinkling Princeton moneyline might be the move.
1: That's what I'm saying. Is that the play? Because I think they're seven and a half point.
0: I would go straight underdogs moneyline right now. You're gonna get better juice for it. No, that,
1: that's what I would do. Yeah, I'm not taking. I would only take moneyline. Because this is the last chance to get that. Because if Creighton wins, they're most likely playing Alabama in the Elite and eight, which you're no. not going to get good hedge value there. So that might be the play um, for what's for the them. value Miami, for, uh,
0: for Alabama to make it to this the Final Four now?
1: Yeah, that's going to be probably, probably minus game.
0: something, right? Got to be minus two hundred,
1: like one something. Well, I was thinking, I I thinking
0: one ten, but it's probably worse than that.
1: It's probably worse than that because. That region went downhill pretty mm-hmm. fast. Um, I could try to look it up quick. But yeah, it's Miami. I'm kind of, I don't even know if it's worth hedging just because I don't think they're going to make a run here. But I'm happy that they made it through the weekend.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. And, and I, I only paid you for the bracket, too, by the way, because I thought I was going to win it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, so, I'll ask Luke how much. I was feeling good. I was riding high. I thought I'd throw him some, a couple bucks. Not happening.
1: So right now, uh, Alabama's minus 150 to get out of the region, Creighton's second at plus 170. Um, and San Diego state is third at plus five seventy five. San Diego state will play Alabama. So some thinking to do there, some real thinking. I think I lay there. out. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it was a great weekend of basketball. Obviously Florida Atlantic actually is a great story. Unfortunately they beat fairly Dickinson. So, you know, people are kind of mad about that. They tried to dunk at the end. That of was the game awesome. And miss.
0: honestly, <laughs> like if this was like Alabama doing that understandable, this is FAU. Like, let them do yeah. their thing. Come on now.
1: They won their first tournament game ever against Memphis and then won this game. So, they're, they're a great story, too. Like, them and Princeton right now. Princeton, obviously, the big one, the 15 seed. But those are the two kind of biggest upsets so far. Yeah,
0: it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. The Michigan State I, I need the couple-day break, though. It has been. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good to get a little break
1: here. Um, I'll toss it back to you, though. That was, that was on That's the
0: show. Uh, do we have a show the rest of the week, Luke?
1: We'll figure it out. All right. Sounds hopefully. good.
0: We'll hopefully see you guys later this week. <laughs> if not, we'll catch you guys next week. If you missed a moment of the show on, on here on Twitch, you can get us on your podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, and follow us on Twitter, at Wally and Owens.